What's up, coaches? You're tuning in to episode number 39 of KYPD, and we are so glad you're checking us out today. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving with your loved ones. It's the week of the regional finals or state quarterfinals here in the state of Texas. So big shout out to Coach Sean Wynn of Galena Park North Shore, our guest from episode number nine, and the Mustangs on their big win over Katy High School on Friday, punching their tickets to the 6A Division I Region Three final. Also need to give props to Coach Ramel Borner from episode number 13 and the Duncanville Panthers for continuing their dominant run through their schedule as they earned a spot in the 6A Division I quarterfinals as well this past weekend. And then finally, big shout-out to Coach Jay Jensen, our guest from episode number 28, and the Katie Taylor Mustangs on their big win Saturday as they also earned a spot in the 6A Division II Region Three Finals. So, so congratulations to those coaches and good luck to them this weekend. So a quick PSA regarding our podcast here. So as I mentioned already, this is episode number 39, which means next week will be episode number 40 and the last KYPD episode for 2019. That's right. After next week's episode, we're going to take a break for the holidays, but have no fear. We'll be back on Monday, January 6th with new episodes and great content for you to enjoy as we get into the spring semester of school and off seasons are getting a full swing so what, what do you do to satisfy your KYPD fix during our three-week break? So glad you asked. Go back and check out our earlier episodes. There's a ton of great stuff for you, whether you are a D-line coach or not. So get caught up on all the episodes you missed, and then you'll be ready to go when we pick up back in January. Okay, so let's get to today's guest, shall we? I'm excited to welcome a fellow Harding University alumni onto the podcast and former Bison defense alignment as well, and Coach Donald Randall. Coach Randall is currently the defensive line coach and assistant head coach at Summer Creek High School in Humble, Texas, which is just north of Houston, right outside of Beltway 8, if you're familiar with the Houston area at all. Anyway, Coach Randall grew up in Houston and attended Aldine MacArthur High School, where he was a three-year letterman and two-time all-district defensive tackle for the Generals. From Aldine MacArthur, Coach Randall attended Harding University in Searcy, Arkansas, where he was a four-year letterman for the Bisons on the defensive line from 1998 through 2001. Coach Randall began his coaching career as a GA at Harding from 2002 through 2005 and then left to become an assistant coach at Bolivar Central High School in Bolivar, Tennessee. From Bolivar, Coach Randall headed back home to Houston to coach defensive line at Channel View High School from 2008 through 2014. After his time in Channel View, Coach Randall left to begin his first stint as a coach at Summer Creek High School, coaching outside linebackers for the 2014 season. After one year at Summer Creek, Coach Randall was named the defensive coordinator at Pasadena Doby High School, a position he held for three seasons. In 2018, Coach Randall returned to Summer Creek as a defensive line coach and assistant head coach and helped lead the Bulldogs to the regional semifinals in 2018. Today, Coach Randall and I talk about how he went from aspiring accountant to football coach and how he coaches his odd front, a scheme they adopted from Katy High School. Coach Randall is a certified ball coach with a contagious passion for coaching kids and a game of football and has a ton of great stuff for us today. So without further ado, let's jump right into today's episode with Coach Donald Randall on KYPD. Coach Randall, it's always great to have a fellow Harding Bison on the podcast, so thank you for coming on and talking with us today. Oh, man, not a problem. And like I say, it's always good to help 
fellow alumni, so I'm I'm actually you know thankful that you you have me on. Yeah, yeah. Well, co- well, coach, you were a Houston guy, grew up there, and has spent the majority of your coaching career there. So fill us uh, fill us in on your background and your journey through the game of football so far. Uh, like you said, you know, I, I grew up in Houston. Uh, I mean, originally I was born in Louisiana, but literally I was there for six months. <laughs> so, but uh, you know, my family, my my mom then moved to Houston when I was one one years old. So. Uh, grew up in Houston, uh, graduated high school over at uh, Aldine, of course, the high school. Well-known at the time when I got there in the mid-'90s, uh, we had a pretty well-known quarterback by the name of Odell James that was there, and, and it was kind of one of those deals. You throw his name around, and people know the program. Also, our head coach was Bob Alpert, who wound up leaving us, and he went to Duncanville, uh, and I think he won a state title there right there. might might have been 2000, 2001. So, uh, you know, wound up playing a very good program. Uh, it was a three-year starter, uh, you know, for, for the MacArthur Generals uh, in high school and uh, got blessed to sign a scholarship to play football at Harding University uh, for up in Searcy, Arkansas. I had no idea what Searcy was. <laughs> uh, I just know uh, my man, uh, Coach Huck, uh, Coach Ronnie Huck, would be calling me and asking I wanted to come up and fly in the Little Rock and, and it pretty much has been on ever since, you know. So, uh, you know, I really enjoyed my time there. Uh, obviously, you know, at that time in the 90s, man, it's like, you know, recruiting at that time, all you knew was Division One, and then maybe Sam Houston State, Stephen F. So, you're in the Houston area. You know, you knew Prairie View, you knew Texas Southern, you knew you knew Sam Houston, you knew Stephen F. Austin. And basically after that, it was all Division One. So, I, I didn't even know Division Two football even existed. I didn't even know what that was. Yeah, because you, know, uh, you yeah. know all the kids that I, you know, or junior college. I mean, you went to Blinn, Tyler, Navarro. Uh, you know, at that time, Rangers junior college was still available. So, uh, you know, Division two football. I was like, I didn't know what was going on. Yeah, you know. So yeah. uh, it was, but it was. It makes it wound up been a great deal. Uh, you know, so I really enjoyed my time there. And uh, like I said, it was just it's just been a just been a good smooth journey, man. Like I said, I'm one of those. I guess you can say regular football kids, man. I started playing at nine years old and and hadn't stopped. You know, I tell my kids yeah. all the time, uh, I hadn't missed a Friday or a Saturday since I was nine years old. And I'm 39 years old now. Yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, I don't know what I'd do if I wasn't doing football. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, been, it's been a great journey, though, man. You know, from the high school ranks to the college ranks. And I uh, really enjoyed my time at Harding and, you know, it was taught a lot of things that I didn't know. Uh, a lot about, you know, so it was great. It was a great deal. Well, and so you got to GA there for, for a few years there at Harding before you uh, before you joined the high school ranks. But uh, going back to, to when you were playing, did you always know that, that you wanted a coach? Or what, I guess what drew you to, 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 to be a football coach? And, and maybe who were some guys who influenced you to, to pursue that as a, as a profession? You know, I'll tell you, the interesting thing was is that I never had coach on my radar. Never. Even growing up. Uh, I wanted to be an accountant. Uh, I can remember being in fifth grade, and we had to do the little projects of what you want to do when you grow up. When you grow up, and I wanted to be an accountant. I love math, uh, which is I'm, I'm a math teacher, certified math. Uh, so I always love math. I love working with numbers. And uh, my teacher brought up, "Well, you should be an accountant." I said, "Yeah, and if it's working with numbers, then I'm good." Like just I don't know, just I enjoyed, I enjoyed the the aspect of having a problem and solving it. Yeah. And yeah. so, and then being able to get those numbers to fix and get those those things to to align. So I was going to be an accountant, and yeah. even when I got to Harding, I was in accounting class the whole nine. And then 
got to that 400 level accounting class and realized that it was more <laughs> to it than just numbers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of rules and regulations you have to figure out. And I was like, no, I don't know. There's a lot of gray area stuff that I'm not necessarily good at mentally from that standpoint. I like kind of black and white scenarios. Yeah. Uh, and so um, even then, still, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to go business administration, get my master's, which I do have an, M- I have an MBA. The whole time, I'm still thinking the whole time my sophomore year, this is my sophomore year at Harding. The whole time I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to set up my interviews, you know, nine to five, suit and tie. I'm still not thinking football. Uh, but it was a random conversation uh, with Coach Huckabee, who was a defensive coordinator at the time, who, who retired as the head coach at Harding. Uh, it was, I don't know if it was a spring meeting. I can't, can't remember. Uh, spring meeting, or it was during the season. We was kind of having one of those conversations. I want to say it was a spring meeting because it was kind of that spring eval where you have your, you know, your exit meetings with your, with your coach. Right, right. And so we're talking, and he says, uh, you know, he asked me the same question. What did I want to do? Uh, you know, I, I gave him a spiel about the suit and tie deal. He said, Nah, you're you're a football coach. I said, Huh? What you talking <laughs> about? I said, I'm not even thinking about coaching football. I said, and so he said, No. Nah. He said, Matter of fact, <clears throat> when you do, you're gonna GA for me. You know, you're going to GA for me. And I, I can remember this conversation vividly. I said, okay. You know, so, uh, you know, this, and then so really from that conversation on is when I was really thinking that, okay, well, let's try this thing out. Let's see how it works. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, Coach Huggins was one of my guys I, I, I have as, as, as a guy who's influenced me uh, from that standpoint. You know, I don't even know if he remember that conversation or not, if, we ever, if I ever talked to him. But it was a conversation that we had, uh, you know, and, and it's been that way. And so. Uh, you know, he's taught me a lot. You know, he was the one who gave my first D-line tapes as a coach on VHS. Uh, Pete Jenkins, who oh, yeah. is a all-world D-line guy who pretty much is, you know, he's a, he's a, he's one, he's a veteran in the game. Uh, everyone knows him from the Mississippi State days when he was at LSU. And uh, I think he did some time with the Eagles, but he's just one of those guys that did probably about 50 years in the NFL, it seems like, in college. Yep. And uh, he was kind of the guy. At that time, when it came to D-line play, and I remember getting those Pete Jenkins VHS tapes, and I was sitting there studying them and going over that stuff, and I applied all that stuff to, uh, and this is 2002 when I'm GAing, and so uh, still to this day, I use a lot of those techniques and a lot of those deals, and so Coach Huck was a big influence on that. Uh, my D-line coach in high school was big in my evolution playing D-line, and he was a guy, Les Barnes. Uh, was an All-American at Kansas in the 70s. Uh, had an opportunity to uh, play in the NFL, but uh, wound up having a uh, back injury right before the draft. And uh, he never got a chance to fulfill that dream. But uh, like I say, Les Barnes is a guy that kind of taught me a lot of things on how to play D-line. We were a, we were a read front at MacArthur, so reading keys up front, you know, playing flat down the line the whole nine. Yeah. Uh, that, that's how we got started with that. And then, like I said, playing at Harding because uh, we pretty much was the same thing. And so I was already ahead of the curve when I got to Harding. You know, I didn't have to be I didn't have to be trained how to read keys and how to read hat level, how to read steps. I was already trained to do it. I just yeah. had to learn how to do it fast. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so uh, and then uh, really my other guys, the guy that hired me coming back to Houston, uh, Evian Hurts, uh, he's kind of my, you know, I call him up every now and then. And so. Uh, he's a guy that I call when I have issues and just to have a talk and that type deal. Uh, the name, last name, will sound a little familiar. Uh, he's a Townview High School head coach, uh, Avion Hurts. Uh, he's yeah. got a son that plays for Oklahoma's 
the quarterback. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, but like I said, yeah, he's another guy on my list. Now, he was he was actually at MacArthur my junior and senior year. He was an O line guy. Okay. At um, at MacArthur. And I've been playing, I pretty much played D line, you know, my whole career. And, uh, you know, I moved from uh, offensive line to D line. And so uh, that's kind of, you know, how me and them kind of crossed paths at a young age. And then I stayed in contact with him throughout my college years. And then he was the first one to hire me back in Houston uh, in 2008. You know, so uh, that was, I pretty much spent 10 years. I left Houston in 1998, man, and didn't come back till 2008. So, uh, and I was gone a long time. So you brought me back in and had my first Texas high school job. So that was, that was a good deal. So yeah, that, those are my three guys, man. Like I said, Coach yeah. Huck was big, you know, and it influenced me to really get started in coaching. Uh, but not knowing the whole time, I've been trained to do it. And just didn't even know it, man. I was just so focused on the the uh, so-called American dream. You know, I was going right, to be the right. suit and tie guy, nine to five, and two point five kids. You know, the, you know everything yeah. that yep. you know that you sold on. And so that was kind of my idea. But then Coach Huck kind of introduced that to me about that aspect of it, man. And I hadn't I hadn't looked back since. Yeah. Well, you've been coaching for a while now, so talk about uh, some of the stops that that you've uh, been fortunate to be at, and, and maybe some highlights from those places. Uh, you know, I'll start with, you know, when I, my time GN at Harding, uh, that was an interesting time just because, you know, really you're coaching the guys you're playing with. Right. And so having to develop those relationships where there's a difference and that you can actually get things accomplished during practice. You know, and so uh, that was that was the biggest really uh, wall of difficulty was just to make sure that the the friendship side of it would cease from 245 to 515. Right. You know, right. so that during that time period, we're, I'm coaching, you're your player. And then after that, we're back to hanging out and, you know, doing, you know, some of the other things we did. And so, uh, you know, and actually in the beginning, you know, when you start talking about the, the coaching part of it, you know, I, it's, it's the same thing. I was focused toward the college side of it. Never thought about high school. You know, so uh, had some opportunities to interview at some different spots. I uh, interviewed with uh, Central Arkansas. Uh, for interior D-line spot, uh, I interviewed with uh, Ranger Junior College right before they shut down. Uh, interviewed with a guy who was going over to like Southwest, one of those JUCOs in Mississippi. I think it was Southwest Community yeah. College. Yep. Uh, Mississippi. Uh, man, I went and drove to Delta State, talked to the Coach Rhodes at the time to try to see if I could get on with them. Uh, at FCA, I actually went into a hotel room and talked to the West Georgia staff. Uh, you know, at one point, it was the AFCA in, in Dallas. And uh, wind up kind of doing a hotel interview with West Georgia. You know, that type of deal. And so, yeah. you know, uh, had some opportunities pop up, but nothing really ever panned out. Uh, you know, uh, I was a guy, uh, I don't want to say unfortunately, but I married early. Uh, married my high school sweetheart, and, and then we wound up having kids early. And so uh, you realize that the initial restricted earnings jobs are really meant for those single, the single life guys. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. it's hard to be now. If you're just married, it's one thing. When you're married and got a couple of young kids, you know, that $1,200 a month, $1,500 a month probably ain't going to cut it. Yep. You yep. know, and so uh, it's tough, you know. So uh, so after that, from basically about 2002 to about 06, I got my master's in 04. Probably that four years is just, it was kind of a whirlwind, you know doing jobs, talking to the wife, hey, what do you think? You think we can handle it? And uh, so uh, after about a few years, it's just kind of 
trying to figure some things out. You know, I decided hey, try this high school thing out a little bit. Uh, so went over to Bolivar, Tennessee, which is in between Jackson, Tennessee, and Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. 3A program. Uh, guy by the name of Keith Perry was the head coach, and he was a Harding alum. And uh, matter of fact, our old head coach, Coach Triple, told me about it. He said, hey, got a guy looking for a uh, position, looking for somebody to help him out for at least a year. And I told him about you, so, man, why don't you give him a call? So I called him, drove up there, set it up, uh, set up kind of a little uh, probationary country, you know, probationary deal, as long as I, you know, fulfill some academic parts, then I can get hired on there. So, man, I did a year. At Bolivar Central, man, we had, you know, finished quarterfinals. We wound up losing in the third round to uh, David Liscomb, which is a private school out of Nashville. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and they wound up winning it. So didn't feel too bad. They wound up winning the whole thing. Uh, but, uh, you know, had them on the ropes there for a little bit too, man. But it was a good deal. So did a year there. And then, you know, here comes child number three. You know, <laughs> so this is 2007. Uh, you know, here comes child number three. And now we got three kids. At the time, two boys, one girl, we're both Houstonians, me and a wife, you know, and we're looking at each other like, man, I think it's time we head back to the house. And so yeah. uh, I called Coach Hurts and he said, man, come on home and we'll make something happen. So I get an alternative uh, certification program. We get a little uh, math certification. And I felt like if I could do math and everybody kept telling me, if you can teach math, you better have a job every year. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And plus that was a subject I was comfortable with. So got the math cert, man. And I uh, did, did, we had, like I said, Soundview was a, you know, struggling program at the time right there in 2008, but the kids competed. Kids yeah. competed weekend. We got, that's what I really appreciate about those kids. Regardless of, you know, one year, I think that was, I forgot what was the first hurricane in 08. Soon as I get back, uh, it's, uh, I can't remember if it was Hurricane Ike, maybe. Uh, one of those hurricanes, you know, we, we missed the first two games of the season. As soon as I get there, uh, I think we wind up going 0-8, but it felt like every game we had an opportunity. Uh, yeah. You know, so the next year, kind of same deal. We're like 1-9, 2-8 deal. But every week, though, I mean, it was just a deal. Those, those kids competed hard regardless of our uh, of our record. And so uh, – the turnaround happened. Uh, Coach Hurts had two boys. Uh, the oldest boy uh, had his namesake. He wasn't a junior, but it's, you know, same thing. They was everyone Hurts, and uh, he came in. And his senior year, we got a kind of spark. Uh, we wound up going five and five, but he throws for like 3,400 yards, 34 touchdowns, like eight picks, and just 10 games played. Man. And so that kind of got everything jump started. Uh, you know, really kind of just got it rolling. And then after that, the baby boy comes in, uh, Jalen Hurts, and he takes over the program uh, a year later. And they've been a very respectable program every year since. Yeah. You know, yeah. so uh, been a very respectable program. But uh, working with, working with you know, lesser uh, kid totals. You know, it's a 6A program, uh, but they're not necessarily 200, 225 kids playing football. Right. You know, they probably got maybe 140, 150 possibly 160 at times playing football. Yeah. You know, so uh, 6A program by building, but not necessarily 6A numbers on the field. So that's what I mean by, you You know, I always say, man, at Townview, man, we learn how to you learn how to coach your child in programs like that. Uh, you got to coach from A to double Z, as we used to say. <laughs> uh, you know, you can't miss, can't miss anything. Right. You can't right. assume anything. You can't, you know, uh, 
just take anything for granted. Just the smallest things and my new things in football, you know, you can't take for granted at Townview. And I think everyone should coach in a situation like that where you've got to make you've got to make kids believe that they can run through walls, even if they don't necessarily have the ability to. Yeah, you have to yeah. find a way to get them to uh, play above their heads on a natural deal, natural level. And and uh, and believe every week that they have an opportunity to win the ball game because of the effort and the work that we're putting in. Right. And so at times that's how it was, man. And that's that's really how I cut my teeth, you know. So I've I don't I've never, unfortunately, you know. I know a lot of guys, you know. You, you watch all these big name teams that's that's around the state, and uh, you know they're playing with some kids that can flat out go. You know, all you got to do is just you know some programs you can just all you got to do is roll the ball out, and those guys go get after it. You know, and so. Uh, and obviously, you know, obviously, you know, there's some there's some stuff they they're teaching them and all that. But uh, you know, as I know, uh, it's sometimes you look at a depth chart, and you're like, Ooh, we yeah, gonna be a challenge tonight, fellas. Yeah, you know, yep. just because of what's uh, just because what's putting the help was was tying that helmet down. Right. And so, you know, I've I've haven't uh, haven't been blessed to coach that our world four star D tackle or, or that you know that four star outside linebacker or anything like that. So I've I've always had to kind of coach the everyday kid and uh, see if I can make that everyday kid, you know, into an everyday player. Yeah. And so at 10 of you, you learn how to do that, man. So uh, did six years there from 08 to basically 2014, then uh, moved over to Summer Creek High School the first time to be outside linebackers coach. Uh, and like I say, you know, Coach Hurst was my influence on that. He said, man, you know, it's, he told me, he said, you know, uh, you know, you have a, you have a, you have a plan. You know, he told me, I have a plan. You're trying to do something. You want to be a coordinator. You want to be a head coach. And he said, but you can't have a idea of how a program looks unless you work for other people. And so he didn't want to ask me, told me that. You know, he said, so you can't stay here for 12, 10, 12 years. He said, because you're not going to have a accurate picture on coaching high school football. Yeah. Because all you're going to know is challenging. That's all I'm going to know. Right. And if I don't know the channel view, then how am I how am I going to take what we did there and apply it somewhere else when the culture could be different? Yeah. The environment could be different. The area could be different. Right. The administration is going to be different. You know, and so the 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 expectations are going to be different if you had another program. He said so. You know, he wasn't telling me that I should jump schools every year, but what he's saying is that is healthy to move to different schools and programs strategically to get different aspects and different views on how to run a program. Right. Right. And so, and so I, you know, so he kind of just like, Hey, if you, he said, man, it's probably about time for you to, if you want to look, look, and just, you know, just, I'm always be open and honest with every head coach I work with. If I was looking, never going to be that guy to be looking under the radar, you yeah. know, Hey man, keep this quiet. I'm always going to be up front with every head coach I work for. Yeah. And so uh, yeah. You know, I went to Summer Creek, the outside linebackers there. Was there for one year. Then was blessed to get a call from uh, Mike Norman, who was the offensive coordinator at Pearland. Uh, and he was there when they won the first state title at Pearland High, uh, when they beat Eulis Trinity. I was actually at that game uh, when they beat Eulis. I thought when Eulis hit the field at Pearland, didn't have a shot to beat Eulis. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. at, at that time in 2000, what was that, 10? Uh, yeah, I think the first Pearland title was in 2010. I said at that time, you know, 10, 11, 12, you was treated like a mini junior college. Yeah. With the kids they had rolling out there. And so I was like, there's no way Pearland is winning this ball game. But they pulled it off. 
Uh, but anyway, you know, he called me. Uh, said I was recommended by some guys that I knew, and so I wound up getting my first opportunity to be a defensive coordinator right there in 2015 uh, with Dovey High School in Pasadena. Uh, and so I uh, did that for three years and made the playoffs the first year. Uh, I think we kind of underachieved a little bit. Uh, you know, had some talent on that squad. You know, uh, sometimes Pasadena gets a bad rep for not having quality athletes, but uh, Dovey was a little different. You know, we, we kind of sat in the Houston zone a little bit, and so – uh, we were privy to a little some better situations, kids-wise, than some of the other Pasadena schools were. And so, uh, but why not, you know, hey, you get your playoff berth and then you the, uh, you look at the schedule and it's congratulations, you have North Shore High School first round. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, that was, you know, unfortunately, you know, like I said, we gave it a shot there early in, in the game, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, we just didn't match up well uh, with them and some of the some of the guys and the players they were able to put out there on that field, uh, and so uh, the next two years we kind of struggled getting things rolling, uh, but it was definitely a learning experience. Oh, uh, you know, as a defensive coordinator, man, you 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 learn how to to figure out how to be stern, but also how to also mix in with your coaching staff. You know, you don't want to just micromanage, but you learn how to. I learned how to manage people yeah, yeah. and uh and i'm you know, going into it i didn't want to be that guys like, hey, i am gonna let my coaches coach let those guys uh do some things and then you go back and you look at it uh and you talk to some other guys like man at some point sometimes you have to be able to coach your coaches right and 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 once again it's kind of like with the kids you just assume that uh everybody's on the same page but as a defensive coordinator you can't assume it you have to make sure Right. And so that's one of the deals that I learned is that uh, instead of me assuming, I needed to make sure that everyone was on the same page. Yeah. And if we wouldn't, let's not beat around that bush. Let's sit down. Let's make it happen. Yeah. And let's yeah. hash it out. Let's make sure everybody's on the same page. And so uh, if I can learn anything over those three years experiences was that don't assume anything. Uh, <clears throat> if you're in charge, uh, act like it and walk like it. Yeah. And from that standpoint, you know, make sure you know that everybody's on the same page. Everybody is teaching what you're teaching and saying what you're saying. And uh, if it's not going that way, make sure that it's reiterated and make sure that things are happening. So uh, after those three years, uh, unfortunately, uh, we had to move on as a staff, uh, you know, had two years that wasn't successful. And so after that, man, I came back. Uh, to Summer Creek for these last two years, and I've been in the last two years. Last year, we, you know, we had a you know great run. The first the school has been in history, made it to the third round, uh, and lost to uh, Sac Creek, uh, who wound up losing in the regional final the next week to Beaumont Westbrook. And Westbrook uh, should have won against Longview yeah, High School, but they yeah. had a turnover that late in the game, yeah, in the state championship game. But uh, like I say, so yeah, I'm at Summer Creek now, and that's kind of been my road a little bit, and yeah. Uh, and really, uh, it's all been, if you know anything about Houston, we have a Beltway called uh, San Houston Tollway, Beltway 8. And I, and I live on Beltway 8, and all the schools I've worked at are right off the Beltway. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I pretty much have stayed very local uh, in my transitioning here in Houston. Yeah. And, so, uh, yeah. and having that access has been great for me and my family. Yeah. Well, let's, let's jump into that uh, and talking about your defensive front there at Summer Creek. Um, 
what, what to talk about that and how you how you guys set that up and and what you like about it and how how that front allows you guys to be successful. Well, like I say here at, uh, at Summer Creek, we are our defensive coordinator is Derek Ward, man, great guy, and I'm learning a lot from him uh, right now. Him and uh, I've worked for a guy named Corey Sterling, who's now the defensive coordinator over at uh, George Ranch High School, which is over on kind of that south side, very really south Houston. Uh, going, you know, on that back end over there. Uh, <clears throat> but Derek Ward, Ward, man, he's he's been a couple places, different places, but his last stop, he was at Katy. And so everyone, you know, everyone in the state of Texas knows who Katy High School is. And yeah. So it's not, there's no reason you need to explain. Uh, and so, uh, and they run a 3-4 front. And so that's what we're running right now is their version of the 3-4. Now, the thing about the Katy High School 3-4 front, it is, People have tried to run it, but Katie High School is running it. If there's if that's proper way to say it. Yeah. Uh no, those coaches have been together. No, Coach Joseph been over there for years. I mean yep. thirty plus, almost forty years now. So yep. they've got a different kind of verbiage and a different kind of way they do things over there. And so they that system has really been created. They've kind of set and created this little version of three four that they do, uh, that's not necessarily like everyone else's. Uh, when it comes to some of the the reads and the in and outs that they do things, so uh, but he brought it over to us, and, and I was very excited because I watched Katie play football for years, and I would always go uh, watch them in the NRG uh, play football, and I was always sitting in what I call the coaching seats, which is the end zone seats, uh, you know, so you can really see how they're doing things. And I've always had mental questions about. Okay, how are they reading this? Why is those guys always there? Why is it always seen that they set the edge or they always got guys in spots? And so basically, he came over, man, and they hired him as a defensive coordinator. I was excited to know that we were going to be running because now all those questions I had, because I've been watching them since I've been in Houston, since 2008. Yeah. Anytime Katie was playing, I was going because I wanted to see that, you know, because I was always been an odd man guy and wanted to see what they were doing. And uh, you know, you kind of, as a, you know, as a guy, you, as a coach, you kind of can figure out what they're doing, but you want to know exactly what they're doing. And so now you kind of know exactly what they're doing. And so it's a, uh, it's a movement read front is what we're doing. Yeah. And in actuality, they have Katie has three D line coaches. They've got a nose guard coach, yep. an ends coach, and a tackles coach. So what that says is there are three different reads by three different guys going on this D-line. Uh, so what we call it is that the, the defensive end is a mirror read guy, is a mirror guy. The nose is a read guy, is a movement read guy. He's a slant He's a movement read guy. The tackle is a slant read. So you got mirror read slant is what we call it. Yeah. Uh, so... I come in and we try to get a second guy. We couldn't. Well, I've got to teach all three spots: mirror, read, and slant. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so uh, you know, so you, you know, and so basically, the easiest way to talk about it is, you know, a lot of guys with three, four. You know, you assume that some people, you know, a lot of guys are not doing this. That's really LSU, OLSU, or NFL is a two-gap read. You know, everybody plays zeros and fours. Yeah. Yep. And, you, and, and then you combo each gap with the linebackers. I say so. Right. But alignment-wise, that's what we show, but we're not doing it. We're not playing a two-gap set. And there's not many high schools that are playing two-gap sets anyway because you got to have some very powerful kids 
who can handle playing two gaps. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, so, but what most three, four teams are doing is they're playing, we say 54 or 45, right. You know, five to the strength, four out backside, or they will flip it. They'll go four out to the strength, five backside. Yep. And then either you'll play a zero nose and move one way or the other, or you'll shade him where you want him. Yeah. You know, so whereas in our front, we're going to line up like we're playing head up, but at the snap, we will have either strong gaps or weak gaps. Yeah. You know, based on our steps. And so from the end's perspective, he's the mirror guy. All right. So he's practically he's reading that near here. So it's old school mirror technique, you know, from a standpoint of that that guard that that tackle steps out, he's stepping out. That tackle steps down, he's stepping down and squeezing. You know, tackle steps to him, he's basing him up, setting the edge. Right. You know, so it's it's a straight up read deal right there from that guy. All right. Uh so and, and so it's it's pretty much uh it's pretty much your your shade read rules in a four three front. Yeah. You know, but he's doing it from a head up spot. You know, yeah. so it's the same thing as if you were playing thirty five strong or if you were playing fifteen weak. It's the same reads you were doing if you were in a Miami front, reading that guy from a five tech. Yeah. You know, so but now he's just doing it head up. Yep. You know, so now he's just doing it head up with a slight what we call nose to eye shade, which is not really a shade, it's just a slight tilt toward the outside half of the strength side or the inside half of the of the weak side. You know, depending on which way we're going, whether we got a strong call or a weak call call from the from the sideline. Yeah. You know, so we kind of slightly say to those guys inside and out. But if you're looking from the box, you can't tell if he say it's strong or weak. Yeah. You know, because it's almost like a track. If you remember that old school track seven on a tight end, you know, where you're playing an inside toe. Yes. Or you're playing an outside toe. So it's the same. We're doing the same concept with that mirror guy uh, where you can't tell where he's going. So our end and tackles do that. Now, our nose guard, he's lining up head up every day, twice on Sunday. Yeah, and he's what we call a slant read. He's a movement read guy, so he's stepping laterally. All right, some people call it a T step. You know, you had J steps and all that, and so yeah. uh, we don't necessarily. I don't get that fine tooth with it. Hey man, it's just a lateral step, boss. Uh, <laughs> now we went to a forty-five degree step because I feel like if you're taking a lateral step, then that's a big, strong kid, big butt that can handle that. So we kind of forty-five stepped it uh, a little bit and went to a half-man punch. Uh, you know, where we're punching that outside V, uh, shoulder plate area right there, inside arm, outside. Uh, you know, I always tell them, hey, outside, you know, outside bicep, inside chest plate. Yeah. And so yeah. that's kind of why hand placement is. But our eyes are on the guard. So from the standpoint of the nose guard, so now his is a little different. So now he's he's doing it. He's out on the fly. So he's stepping, he's stepping play, side, play call side, whether we have a strong call, or is it a weak call, and we determine that in the huddle how we want to do it, you know? So uh, whether we make it a strong step or a weak step uh, based on the strength call. So he's stepping to the half side via that center, but he's seeing the guard. The guard tells him what to do. Yeah. If the guard is there, he stays away from him, or he's, as we say, zone away. I'm sorry, zone two. If he's zoning to us, which means that he's going, I guess it would be, zone away. I guess they would be zone away. So if he's going if that guard is leaving and going away from us, then we're gonna reduce that gap. So he's gonna get away from that center. He's gonna to try to get into that guard's hip yeah. and really stand at E at A gap and really stretch that A gap out. Yep. All right. So now the zone to him, which means that guard is coming back to him, now he's gonna he's gonna redirect. He's gonna punch, redirect, and then now he's gonna squeeze and run that center back away from him. All right, but this whole time he's an A gap player that strong side. 
Yeah. You know, so so we're either reducing that gap, which means we're going to stretch it down the line of scrimmage. Yep. Or we're going to redirect it and still stay flat uh, because the defense is a heel line defense. Like we don't come out for. Yeah. Uh, it's not yeah. it's not a up the field bubble type deal. Uh, we're trying to we're trying to create a wall all the way to the numbers to the sideline. Yeah. And so everything we're doing is flat down that line. And so uh, for that nose guard, you know, his guard is that read. I mean, he's just right. posting that center, but the guard tells him what to do. If that guard pulls back over, boom, we're redirecting cross face of that center, and we're going to get to the other side. So that's one way how we, you know, people want, you know, you get that three-man front, first thing people want to do is run power because they feel like they can double down on their nose right. and get him out of there. But once we see the pull play side, so if we happen to be stepping toward the puller, we're gonna we're gonna reverse field. We okay. get across that center face, and now we're gaining ground in between that guard that's working back down. So now you can't get that wash yeah. on the nose that you normally could because you didn't know it was coming. Right. Uh, and then, like I said, if he winds up stepping into it, then that's just a, that's just a double team read right there. We're gonna sit on it and we're gonna hold ground right there. Yes. You know. So uh, the nose. Has so you know you got to have an active nose. Got to yeah. have an active nose, and not and just from the standpoint of he's got to be able to read that triangle. He's got to be able to see both guards, you know, left to right, depending on where he's stepping. And so that's kind of how we do things with him at that at that uh, nose spot. Now, slant tackle has got the messed up job out of all two spots, man, three spots. He's the guy that's he is moving on the fly and reading all at the same time. You know, his job is to collapse that guard's near here from that four-eye spot uh, and be able to see what's happening. If it's zone away, that guard's run away from it. If he's down the heel line, all right, flat as he can be right off that guard's butt, that yeah. guard stepped to him at a 45-degree angle. See, now he's got to read steps. 45-degree angle, then that's a splat. He's going to splat that guard, stop what that guard's doing, then skip. Skip, when we say skip, skip off that block. And more than likely, we're looking at an inside zone step, that could be a double team step. So we splat that guard and then get slightly vertical because we're expecting some sort of double team, some sort of combo read because that guard is taking a 45 degree step at us. All right now, if he takes a positioning step, which is now our, our outside zone path and you yeah. know that stretch path that people want to do, now we got to redirect and get back to that tackle we just left. You know, so uh, and 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 but I tell people all the time, man, y'all y'all can't do that. I say, yeah. It's a lot, but the kid, we rep it a lot. We have a lot of, you know, we have a lot of time to do it, and it takes time. Yeah, because you're asking a kid who's to read on the fly. Yeah, because his first step when that ball is snapped, he's the only kid on the D line that is a ball key kid, and 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 the steps are critical. He can't 45 degree slant because if he does, it turns his shoulders, and now that tackle can get him watched. Right, that first step, he's got to clear the tackle inside out. Lateral, it's a lateral step. He's got to clear him flat and then get vertical. Uh, so, uh, you know, one of my sayings I've said for a long time, even when I was at Hardy, I said, man, you can play D-line, you can play DB. <laughs> I said, because we're going to do a lot of footwork stuff. Yeah. I said, we have, to, we have to do ladder drills. We have to do bag drills. We've got to do L drills. I mean, we even do W drills. I said, because we're going to do everything about ankle moving and and, and lateral movement that we can do, you know. So uh, this front doesn't allow for the big, uh, really, you know, unless it's just a big, strong kid, but it doesn't really allow for the big plug guy, Yeah. you know, who can kind of just sit and eat blocks. Uh, there's some movement involved in this front. Yeah. 
And yeah. so, uh, you know, so we're very selective on the kids that we use. And, and luckily, these two years we've been doing it, that we've had some kids available that can handle it. Yeah. Uh, you know, because it, it, it is it is taxing on that read uh, of doing that, uh, doing the ins and outs on that. And so, uh, like I said, that slant tackle, man, he's got a lot of things going on. You know, he's got to be able to play a double team on the fly. Yeah. Uh, he's got to be able to see if they run tackle trap from his side, you know, if they want to go dark. Pool, yeah. but that tackle, he's got to be able to get across that guard's face. Uh, you know, one thing we start seeing is when teams would, would, would run GT, they'd bring that center all the way back to the four eye. Yep. Well, in our play, and well, we start spilling the center. And it's like, what? I said, yeah. I said, that center's trying to kick you out. We need to spill it. So now we're going under the center because he's what we call chucking. He's coming all the way back to the four eye flat. All right. And yep. so now we got to get under that center and gain background again. We can't allow that center to kick us out. Because just think about it. On most dark reads, if that quarterback wants to keep it, he's going to go right underneath that center. Yeah. And, and and the reason we can do that is because we have an outside linebacker that's squeezing the four-eye. Yeah. You know, so he's not a fold guy. He's a squeeze guy on the four-eye side. So that allows us to do that. So just thinking about just those few things right there, just those blocker schemes that he sees from the four-eye position. But it's a on-the-move four-eye. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so we're asking them to do a lot of things. And the thing is, I tell those kids every day the tough job they have. I tell them that. I tell them every day. Your job is tough. What you do is tough. And I wouldn't actually do it if I didn't think you could do it. Yeah. But I always tell them, even when, they, when they're shaking their heads and they miss a read, I tell them, I told you, well, I tell you day one, it's a tough read from this position. I say, but your teammates need you. So I'm talking them through it. All the time, but I'm always reiterating to them that hey, this I know this is tough. I know I'm asking you to do some some stuff that doesn't make sense. I understand that, but it's for the good of the defensive front that we get this accomplished. Yeah. And so uh, you know we you know we have a lot of walkthrough time. We walk through steps. Yeah. We talk about blocking schemes, and a lot of times it depends on who we're playing on how in depth we need to go after we've done the inside. Yeah. Because some weeks we, we play a team that all they run is inside and outside zone. Well, that's great. We ain't got to talk about pool game at all this week. We just need to make sure we have a great base and we don't get washed and we don't get double hooked. You know, so, uh, you know, so uh, what we do, it all comes together, uh, you know, and it makes it, it builds that wall. And, uh, you know, and we do a few little different things behind us. Uh, I know from the inside backer spot, because of, the uh, spill concept. Our defense is a hundred percent spill defense. Uh, we spill everything, and so and we want and the safeties run over the top. And so uh, you know, so with that being said, our inside backers are, or you know, if they get pulled their way, that near inside backer is coming downhill right now. The backside inside backer is a trail over the top guy, right? You know, which is different than what some people do. Most people, uh, the inside backer will get over the top. The outside backer will trail underneath. You know, that's kind of the normal that everybody talk. You know, mm-hmm. the near back, you know, if you get a pool call, uh, if, if the mic makes the pool, Willie pushes over the top, Mike replaces. You know, opposite. If Willie makes the pool call, Mike gets over the top, Willie replaces. But in our front, we're opposite. You know, we're opposite. Whereas we say, hey, if, if Willie makes the pool, Mike's downhill, Willie trails over the top. So now he's yeah. actually getting over the top of Mike. Yeah. Vice versa. Right. Uh, you know, same thing. You know, if we get a chance, you know, we got no tight end, you run an inside zone. Uh, you know, we're going to, uh, you know, kind of read behind the inside zone a little bit. 
if if uh if we have inside zone uh the backers trail behind the inside zone right uh to the quarterback side so now your inside backer becomes the edge player so he's a quarterback guy per se yeah you know so it's a way to play it's a way to play inside zone with five guys uh and and that, and by building those walls and that way your outside linebackers can help on RPO stuff and then also it allows you to have two on everybody yeah you know so now you got four guys playing front side zone you got inside backer underneath the quarterback on the back side whatever side is on and then you got the then you got your outside linebacker helping on that standpoint and then he can also help on RPO if you need to but because we're a match quarters team, a lot of times we play RPO from match quarters. So our outside linebackers don't even have to help on it. Yeah. You yeah. know, unless we make a call for them to help us. So, you know, we're able to try to get in front of that run game, you know, with five guys. And then if we if we need to have that sixth guy that's available. And, you know, so it's it's you know, it's it's a nice front. Obviously, you know every every defense will have is 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 opens is weakens you know in different spots. Yeah. Uh, because we play that match quarters, which is basically a loose man deal. You know that that make your secondary guys have got to be fleet of foot. You know, be able to match their reads and be able to see things and make good reads. That's the biggest deal with those yeah. guys behind yeah. us. But uh, D line wise, man, you know we set the tone with how we do things, and so and I've really enjoyed it. You know, I really enjoyed it uh, playing it. It's, it's different. Uh, it, it helped connect some dots of some things I've been thinking. Yeah. Uh, you know, how else can I play this 3-4 besides just lining up in 54 or just lining up in 45 or lining up in 44 on both sides and slanting one way or the other, you yeah. know, that type of thing. That's yeah. pretty much what you get now. You get 54-45 or you get teams that line up head up and they just slant, go, you know, just slant front. So uh, we're able yeah. to do all three and then hopefully keep the offensive line at bay because they don't know which way we're going. They don't know who's the slant tackle or who's the read in uh, from that type deal. Because that's the other beauty of the front. And that's what made us dangerous late last year in the playoffs is we never switched sides. In the beginning, we say, hey, you're an end, you're a tackle. So the end goes strong, tackle goes weak. Well, late in that year, our first year in 2018, we got late in the season. I didn't even switch sides anymore. So now you don't even know. You got Now as an offensive coach, you got to figure out who our Mike and Willie is, and who right. our Sam and, and Dog Brackle are. Because you can't do it with the D-line, because right. they're not moving. Right. And so they would play, so if we flip the strip, then now the end is the tackle, and the tackle's not the end. You know, and so, but we're not moving them from one side to the other. And we start doing that because teams are moving so fast. Right. I don't want us getting caught jumping sides yep. and all that. If they, if, they, if they jump to a different front or shift to a front, we're not gonna chase one side to the other. Yeah, yeah. You know, so and so we just start saying, hey, let's just set it. You guys know both techniques. Let's just make it happen. And so it really, I think it really helped us out. You know, last year, yeah, uh, that first year in, we did that, man. We really made some plays because I truly believe I don't think guys knew our strength or our weak right, side. Right. Right. And so they would run plays into our strength side, maybe thinking that was the weak side. You know, so, uh, you know, but like I said, it's got some good nuances to it, man. I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. And uh, if I get a chance to be a coordinator again and uh, the school that I'm at, the kids look like a 3-4 front that that we can manage one out of them, uh, then we're definitely going to do that. You know, we're yeah. going to be a read 3-4. I really like it. 
Yeah. Let me ask you this, okay? There's actually a lot I want to unpack from that. And first of all, you know, when you said Katie has three different defensive line coaches for them in front, I was like, man, that's that's crazy. You know, why do they need that? But then you go into all the things that those guys need to do. And now, Coach, I'm stressed out for you that you have to teach all those things to those three different guys because it really is like having three different positions, you know, under one one umbrella as the defensive line. And so then you mentioned that, you know, later in the playoffs last year, you all didn't switch sides. I guess to, to me that sounds like that would be easier on you now because now you can coach all those guys everything, uh, which is probably a lot, but then at least now they all know everything, and so now you don't have to switch them. And now you can, instead of being – you can do things together instead of having to, all right, let me coach the slant uh, tackle today and let me coach the nose today. Is that Has that helped, helped you out also, just being able to not switch those guys to help you out in your individual and getting stuff taught? Yes, and so in 2018, since I was the only guy, that's exactly what happened. So about midway through the season, we started talking about that with the defensive coordinator about not switching. Yeah. And so because I had a designated guy slanting, and, and so uh, he was like, well, let's do it. I said, because I had already been prepping him. I had already been talking to him about – we. I said, look, at some point you're going to have to do everyone if you're in or top. Yeah. The nose is the only guy that doesn't have to – he doesn't have to worry about it. Yeah. So his read stayed the same – every day twice on Sunday. And so uh, the ends and tackles, we always did double read stuff. And so uh, today we might, we, we might all do, we might just work mirror stuff all day today. Well, the next day in the period, during the athletic period, hey, let's work slant right now. Yeah. So now we work, the ends and tackles will both work slant. Yeah. And so I was already prepping them because I had to, because I was the only one. Right Now the good thing about this year, uh, we brought in a uh, retired, rehired guy, uh, been in the game, man, 40 years, Thomas Brooks. Uh, he's got five state championships on his belt, uh, and one as a player, one as an assistant coach, and three as a head coach. Wow. Uh, you know, so he's been, man, he's been from, he was a head coach at Wasahatchee. He was in Jasper, man. He coached at Beaumont, coached at Port Arthur. Uh, he was on the Katy staff. That won a state title when they had that runner from oh, I don't know, from what twelve to sixteen, I thirteen to sixteen somewhere uh-huh. in there. Yeah. Where they went to like to the state championship game four years in a row, and they and seen that they playing Cedar Hill every year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so uh, he was on that staff, uh, and Katie, you know, so uh, he, you know, so he came and he so this year, uh, he coached noses, and so he took the nose guards, and I just had the ends of tackle, and so it really made it easier this year. Took a little bit off my plate this year. So uh, this year I just coached the ends and top. And so yeah. that was perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just because now we did that every day. Hey, today we're working mirror reads. All right, today we're running, working slant reads. Yeah. So we talked both techniques all the time because, you know, I wanted to get to the point where we wasn't flipping. Right. Uh, you know, so, but we wind up uh, in certain situations we wouldn't flip. Uh, but this year's crew, was kind of a situation where I had guys that were better at end than tackle, and I had guys that were better at tackle than end. Yeah, if I, you know, which makes sense. I had yeah. guys that were more efficient doing the slant tackle stuff than my end kids could. They could do it, but it wasn't as uh, quality as I needed. And yeah. So uh, you know, this year we didn't flip. We didn't. We didn't uh, same side as much if we needed to in a you know hurry up situation. We would. Uh, they would call each other off. Don't switch. Don't switch. Don't switch that type thing on the field. Uh, but for the most part, you know, this year we had true ends and we had two tackles. 
Yeah. Uh, this year, you know, now that first year in, it just kind of happened. Yeah. I had two guys that could go, and uh, they they didn't have to flip. Yeah. And so uh, it just worked out. But uh, yeah, so now it's, it, it it helped out a lot this year. Uh, from that standpoint, man, might say it was a lot, man. And so uh, I get frustrated sometimes, and the DC would say, "Man, I don't get." He said, "I'm not mad at you." I said, "I know, but I'm mad at myself." You know, I I put a lot into it. You know, I I feel like, you know, I try not to. I never want as a coach. I never want to blame the kids. I always reevaluate myself. You know, did I teach that right? You know, yeah. did I yeah. did I put too much on their plate? You know, what can I do to make that kid better? Because at the end of the day, in a lot of our situations in high school ball, man. uh, we're playing dominoes and we're playing we're playing spades. We're playing with the cards we're dealt. We're playing with the hand we pull. Yep. You know, so it ain't gonna be many. You know, it's not many PAPLs walking through the door uh, to help change change the way you do things defensively or offensively. Right. You know, so you're gonna be dealing with your vertical. Who's who's in your seventh grade? Who's in your eighth grade? Yep. And so you got to coach those kids up, regardless of who they are. Yeah. And so uh, I just, you know, you know, that's that's the beauty of coaching at Harding University, man. You know, like I know, it's 120 kids on that roster at Harding University, but it ain't 120 big time ball players walking in that locker room. Right. Right. You know, a lot of those guys are gonna be their best football player when they're 19, when they're 20, when they're 21 years old. Yeah. You know, so it's not many 17 year old kids, 18 year old kids walking into that program, and they're gonna make a substantial impact first day they set foot on campus. Right. You know those kids are gonna need a couple years to mature, learn the system, and then all of a sudden now they're Fred shirt, sophomore, junior, and senior year, they're very productive kids in the program. Right. You know, yeah. so Harding is very unique on that, and so coaching in that aspect, uh, coaching at Townview, man, like I said, you coaching in places where. You're truly coaching the hand that you dealt. Uh, and I tell people all the time, I say, I use a lot of concepts from Harding. And it's like, man, it's college. I say, no, it's, 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 it's a Division II Church of Christ campus. And we're not bringing in the former, you know, stud from University of Arkansas. Right. You know, we're not, you know, we're not that, we're not that D2 program. That was North Alabama. Yeah. You know, yeah. North, you know, uh, that oh, was yeah. Florida Austin State. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Those D2 programs, you know, were bringing in those trans. Those guys were going there. So they, you know, they had guys that played. You know, West Georgia uh, has had, you know, like I say, some of those D2 programs just happen to have those opportunities. You know, they right. have guys, but at Harding, it wasn't like that. Yeah. You're, you're bringing in high school kids every year with a sprinkle of junior college here and there. And the staff did a great job of developing those young kids. And by the time they're 19, two years later, 19, 20 years old, they are great players in a Harding Bison program. Yeah. Yeah. And might not excel in any other program. Probably couldn't excel yep. in any other program that we was competing at that time. We was in the Lone Star Conference and then we moved over to the Gulf South. Yep. Yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, so I've taken that same philosophy and still to this day, you know, and like I, you know, like I said, I've never, you know, hadn't been blessed to coach that guy. You know that you just tell him, to, you know, you just tell him sick him, and that don't go to work. Yeah. You yeah. know, you know, that's how, you know, I said, I said, I got think about coach long enough, I'll get one. Yeah. I say, you know, but right now, I'm, 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 I'm a coach A to double Z, uh, regardless of his stars or regardless of his rate. Yeah. You know, and so, and I, yeah. and I, and I, and I want to say that if I ever had a kid of that caliber. You know that came across the program. I think I was 
I think I wouldn't change the way I coach. Uh, I think I would still want to coach him from A to double Z because now it's like, well, now you have, now this kid has an opportunity to be dominant and be a game changer now. Right. You know, right. So, you know, someone that changes the way teams have to play you offensively. Right. And so, uh, you know, but yeah, so that's actually that's, that's what we're doing, you know, defensively. It's kind of, you know, my philosophy on things, and that's kind of how we do things with that three man front. And, and uh, like I say, you know, KD is very successful at what they do, obviously. Uh, if you anybody in the state of Texas from El Paso and Texas or Canada Corpus, you know, if you say KD High School football, then you, then you don't know where they are, and that's the same on you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you're right. Do, you know, they've been doing it for years. You're right. So, you're right. Uh, but uh, like I said, they, 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 they figured it out, and, uh, they, you know, they got basically, you know, like I said, three guys coaching those positions, and, uh, and they do a great job of doing it. And, 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 and like you say, I have to explain it. Now you understand why. Uh, at least having two guys yeah. in the three-man front yeah. in this particular front yes. is healthy yes. uh, to do because of the different things that are being asked of those yeah, kids. Yeah, you're exactly right. Well, you mentioned you know coaching your guys and, and being detail-oriented and coaching from you know A to double Z. Uh, you know, in, in, in your opinion, what's what's an aspect of defensive line play that, that often gets overlooked or undercoached? The aspect of you want, you know, you talk to guys and you want these, you, everybody wants playmakers. You know, everybody wants, you know, guys uh, to make plays. And sometimes it's slowing those guys down just enough so they can make plays. Yeah. And so, you know, I really believe just being physical at the point of attack. Because everybody wants to escape blocks now. Everybody wants to get off blocks. So, I, you know, if you look at is the point of attack now being physical with your hands is to me what has changed the game a little bit because the upper levels have turned into such a pass rush deal. Everybody's looking for that quick twitch bender. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so now that quick twitch bender is just about hand placement and movement and getting off the block. It's just being yeah. fast. Yeah. And so, and then, for example, if you watch the Monday night game the other night, uh, you can't pass rush if they're not throwing the football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think at the end of the day, uh, just being physical with your hands and and controlling an O-lineman with your hands, Yeah. Uh, I believe just looking across the board is one of the things that kind of gets under underlooked at sometimes. Yeah. Uh, because we're, we're, we're so – we're trying to create these playmakers. We want guys to make plays. We want to get off blocks. We want to do that. Uh, but I'm just still uh, a fit hands guy, man. You got to be able to control that guy at the line yeah. of scrimmage and be patient uh, and not get yourself out of a play. Uh, and then the other part over there is, man, I'm still coaching guys that run sideline to sideline. Yeah. Uh, which is which, which is what you don't see anymore. Everybody's kind of, hey, I got my spot. You know, but I still – get goosebumps when I see my nose guard last year take on a double team, fall, get up, and chase down a chase down a uh a out route and he's diving over the pile at ten yards. Yeah. Yeah. You know, th- you know, that that to me is more impressive than making a TFL. Yeah. You know, so and I think that's still something that's missed is that 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 motor, that D line motor. 
Yeah. You know, going from because now you see that mode and that's and it's publicized now. Oh, this yeah. kid is everywhere. And I said, because it's something that has that has kind of left the game a little bit, is that guy that's running sideline to sideline, chasing things down. Yeah. And why wouldn't you do it when every defensive coordinator in America is trying to have a two man rotation at every spot? Right. You know, you know, so you're not seeing D linemen play sixty five snaps. You know, seventy snaps. They're playing thirty snaps, thirty-five snaps. You know, that's that's the game. Now, if you have to, you have to. But if you can, you like to have a great rotation going. Yep. So that in the fourth quarter, that your true guys can be fresh and ready to roll. Right. And so, why why aren't you chasing balls down and flying for five or six plays, then tapping your helmet, getting a break for two or three? Yeah. You know, and so uh, yep. to me, those are two aspects of the game that I still uh, think could get better. Yeah. Uh, you know, I go I go out and I watch all these different games, especially the guys who are considered to be who's who in the recruiting world. I want to go see how they play it. And that's I, and I remember, man, I'm telling you, uh, you know, I had some guys that coached against Ed Oliver when he was in high school. And, uh, man, I got a guy that, that coached against him. He said, man, I'm telling you, we tell our online kids that you have to block him to the echo or the whistle. Because that, that's what made him special, man, is that that joker would run everywhere. He chased everything down. You know, he wasn't a 6'3", 320-pound D-liner, man. He's a 6'1 280 guy. Yeah. But he, he ran like a safety. You know right. what I'm saying? And so that's what made him special, and that's why I really loved him. You know, he's you know I, I, I really like watching him play. You know, I try to get some fam on just to watch him see what he was doing. Yeah. The Tuckers just flat out go left to right and could fly. And yeah. you saw it at University of Houston. Yep. You saw how dominant he was at University of Houston. And when he missed games, it was evident when he wasn't on the field. Right. Just because of the presence and how his motor, his high energy. And, man, I'm telling you, it just changes the game when a kid does that. And so I I truly still try to press that to my guys. Hey, don't just sit and watch. I said, that stuff stands out on film when you're flying around, you know, using those hands. You're, at the, you're a point of attack guy. You're controlling what you got. And you're running sideline to sideline. You know, trying to make something happen regardless. And so, I think that's from a D-line standpoint, you got a kid doing that. He's gonna he's gonna make an offensive coordinator make sure he knows where that kid is. And so, and I think that that's still missing is uh, just because you have you know just chasing that ball, man. Being you know running like Coach Huck used to say, man, just running like your hair's on fire. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Uh, and like I said, I still try to you know coach the kids up to this day. Yeah, I think both of those things that you mentioned, you know, being physical at the point of attack and playing with your hands and then chasing the football, neither one of those things are are, are sexy, you know. It requires a commitment to it and practice. You know, you got to be devoted to it. And there's different ways that you can incorporate it where you don't just have to necessarily have a pursuit drill per se. You know, you can right. you can you can incorporate it in your team period or whatever, but you know, those things take a lot of repetition and just a lot of of every day doing, putting in the work, putting in the work, putting in the work. And, you know, I think it's interesting. You scroll through Twitter, you see a lot of pass rush specialists and guys rushing yeah, the passer. Yeah. But how many guys do you see working on defeating the run? But everybody, no, everybody. That's, that's, that's just like hitting home runs in baseball. That's right. But, you can bat 250, but if you hit 50 home runs, you're going to get a $50 million deal. Right. And, it, and everybody <laughs> says, every defense coordinator will say, hey, you still got to, even though in today's game, you got to be able to stop the run. Well, you know, okay, so then let's put our money where our mouth is, and and this is a line that has been used on this podcast a lot by other coaches, but earn the right to rush the passer. So 
uh, I, I'm, I'm with you on those things uh, because neither one of those things are are um, going to show up on a stat sheet necessarily, but I, I think are are crucial uh, for, for a defensive lineman to be able to, to if, if they can be those two things, if they can play with their hands and be physical at the point of attack and run on the football, then you can do a lot with those guys. You can do a whole lot, man. You can do a whole lot with those guys. And so, yeah, man, like I said, and that's just, and it's not just saying that because at the end of the day, that's how I tried to play ball Yeah. in high school. That's how I tried to play in college. Yeah. Uh, to try to separate myself from guys and which is play physical with my hands, man, and run to the football and chase that thing because I knew, uh, by chasing that football, you good things happen. Yeah, when, yep. when you chase that ball, man. And so, like you said, you you look on Twitter, everybody's pass rush gurus and hand steps and tennis ball movements, and it was it's funny, man. Because I had uh, I don't know if you remember my guy uh, Justin Curry. We called oh him yeah, Chevy. big Chevy. Yeah, so we still converse to this day, man. And so uh, I remember him. He hit me up. He said, man, "Have you seen this video?" And I looked at it. And I and I said, man, I did this at Harding. And he just buddy said, like, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, and it's all over Twitter. Yeah. You know, I remember using tennis ball stuff at Harding, doing the same deal with the get off and those guys coming to come catch it on the get off and turn the corner and scooping the tennis ball. Up. This is two thousand three. This two thousand four, two thousand five. You know, and I was using it for turning hips and getting squeezed and all that stuff. And, Coming around, and I, then I then I came to the point where I did two tennis balls, inside hand scoop, then flip the hips and get the outside hand so we can work clubbing over the top to get rid to to uh, knock the ball down or uh, strip sack on the quarterback, you know, just different things like that. And so, uh, but yeah, now now yeah, everything is such a pass rush. Everybody's want to get to the quarterback, get to the quarterback, and they know that's where your money is. Uh, you know, it's getting to the quarterback, man. But like I say, I'm, it's a it's revolutionary to see, and you know, just a little sidebar. Like, I just I can't wait for this Sunday. Uh, San Francisco and Baltimore play this Sunday. You know, two teams who are doing total opposite offenses. Uh, San Francisco has the highest rate of two back offense in the NFL, and obviously Baltimore has one of the highest rate of tight end base offense in the NFL. And so to see both of those key those guys line up with each other Sunday, if you're a football coach and you ain't watching that game, then something wrong with you. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. Plus, yeah, uh, we and it's it's also it's funny you mentioned uh, you mentioned mentioned uh, Justin because I was talking to my brother uh, a couple weeks ago because we have a nose guard here and I and I was trying to describe it to my brother and I said you know who he's like I said he's not very tall but he's really you know really big and 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 uh, you know big time punch and and keeps great leverage I said he's like he's a lot like Justin Curry at Harding I said that's what he's like and uh so it's funny you mentioned him cuz we 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 brought we brought Chevy up just a couple of weeks ago Man, talking Man I said but he was he's probably without a doubt the most dynamic kid I've coached at that side Yeah and yep. he was I mean, he was you know he was special uh, I don't really count like Floyd Black and Tim Love and all those guys they was already they had already, I, I had nothing to do with that I just happened to be the first year GA when they was there as seniors, you know. So yeah, and that I just let them do what they do, you know. But Chevy was really the first kid that I had to truly coach, uh, and so breaking him down and getting him to understand what he need to have ready for the for that level. And once he committed to listening to me, man, he it it excelled. Like it just went to the point where he was unblockable. Uh, in certain games, in certain aspects. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, uh, but we still talk to this day, man. Like, so he's, he just moved to Arkansas. Uh, him and his wife. Uh, he's got three kids, and so uh, and he might be as strong as he is now as he was then. Oh, he's I'm sure. Room. Yeah, he's a weight room guy. He, he's sleeping yeah. that thing. Yeah. So. <laughs> <clears throat> well, Coach, what's uh as we get close to wrapping this thing up? Uh, th- uh, Thanksgiving was was this past Thursday. What's your favorite food that you, that you're gonna that you're gonna head to first uh, for Thanksgiving? Oh, without a doubt, it's gonna be the cornbread dressing and the collard greens. My man, I, no, that's that's my that's the if, if, that's the first two things I'm looking for. Uh, obviously, next up, we gonna fry a turkey and all that, and had a ham. But it's man, look, it's 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 not a Thanksgiving in my book. But if it's not a pot of collard greens and stuff, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I got you. I got you. That's 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 what my answer would have been. Would have been the the uh, the dressing for sure. My grandma makes some makes some legit dressing, and uh, so that's 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 my go-to for sure. Um, talk to us about a few things that as you as you look back on this past year, uh, talk to us about some things that you're thankful for. Uh, man, I'm I'm be honest with you, man. I'm I'm thankful for really be honest with you, man. I'm thankful for my family and especially uh, my wife, man. I think there's not a lot of people that can say. You know, it's a lot of people that's married, they high school, sweetheart, and all that good thing. But a lot of times at, at the end, because you've been together so long and you kind of just grow apart. You know, me and my wife, uh, Tiffany, man, we've been together since August of 96. And started dating in August of 96 at the High School and got married in September of 2000. And, you know, I can truly say she's my best friend. And yeah. so, uh, you know, I'm thankful for her. Cause we're really our yin to yang, you know. So we yeah. have different ways, you know. I, I tell her it's funny that I tell her all the time. I say she's, I'm half, I'm the half full thinker. She's the half empty thinker. Yeah, there you go. And so you know, but we make it work. You know, we make it work, and you know, you know that whole it's, our, it's you know. So I'm really blessed to have her in my life, man. Uh, without a doubt, thankful for my kids. I got four healthy kids: uh, 18, 15, 11, and six. And, uh, you know, so uh, that's, to me, that's the biggest thing I'm thankful for is just I got a healthy family. Uh, I, I love what I do, coaching football. I love everything that goes on about the aspect of football. And, uh, you know, and I wouldn't change anything for the world, man. There's no way I can be doing nine to five suit coaching time. Yeah, yeah. There's no way. Yeah. No way. So. Uh, that's that's it. That's it, man. That's what I'm. That's what I'm 100 thankful for. Well, coach, you know, you clearly have a, a passion for the game, and that's that's evident just in hearing you talk about it. And and I know that uh, everybody who listened to this today is is better for it. And and just want to, uh, you know, thank you so much for for coming on and and, and talking with me and, and and pouring everything into it that you had and uh, adding a lot to 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 the value of the guys who who are checking this thing out today. Man, like I said, I appreciate you, man. Like I say, alumni helping alumni, man. So uh, I want to say, man, hey, look, good luck to you guys this week. I know y'all got a long trip back out to Frisco. Uh, so, you know what I'm saying, get those guys ready to rock and roll, man. I'll be looking forward to hearing from you, and I'll be seeing what what Pleasant Grove has to offer. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much to Coach Randall for taking some time out of his Thanksgiving break. Last week to talk with me, I really enjoyed reconnecting with him and learning more about what they got going on defensively over there at Summer Creek. And I hope you picked up a lot today as well. If you want to get a hold of Coach Randall, follow him on Twitter at DonaldRandall6 or shoot him an email at Donald.Randall6 at gmail.com.
Our quote of the day comes from the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 45, and it says, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. And that's a wrap for us today. Join us next week for episode number 40, our last episode of 2019. Until then, have a great week. Keep your eyes on your keys and out of the backfield. And for goodness sakes, keep your pads down, man.